Good evening and welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Well, for the first time in 17 consecutive weeks, it's that time of year again, folks, where, you know, college game day is no longer no more on a Saturday, and um, it's always kind of bitter, you know, I mean, uh, personally, it is my favorite time of the year, though, truth be told, because from here on out, from December 20th, all the way up until January, whatever, uh, up until the national title game, we get nothing but straight up college football. I love it. Um, some people have a distaste for, uh, you know, some of these college football bowl, bowl games. A lot of people think it's meaningless, th- things of that nature. I like it uh, personally. When it comes to all these bowl games, yeah, they're, they're, they have eccentric names or advertisements or whatever it may be, <clears throat> but I like it. You know, I feel like it's one of those bowl games that, you know, may not be special for you, but for the, the, the team, the coaches, the players, and for that university, uh, you know, it's just a sense of honor and be able to finish on a high note, uh, win, lose, or draw, it's just one of those things that, you know, especially for players that are hoping to go pro into the NFL, uh, to show the the rest of the scouts uh, what they're made of. So, either way, I I feel like it's a special time of the year, and it's odd, it's, today's an odd Saturday, considering the fact that not only do we have some college football bowl games, but we also have some, you know, Saturday games for the prof- professionals as well. Right now, um, as I'm doing this podcast, currently the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots are going at it. It's 7-3 right now. Buffalo is going to Foxborough today, this afternoon. Personally, my pick, I didn't say it in my previous ep- episode, but right now, as scores 7-3 New England I have Buffalo winning this, to be honest with you. A lot of people are overlooking Buffalo. And for the simple fact that not a lot of people are giving them respect um, to what Josh Allen and what John Brown, what they've been able to do. Now, truth be told, Josh Allen isn't someone who's going to be O's and woos and wahs. Not recently, you know, like a Drew Brees, who, congrats, who recently is now the all-time passing touchdown leader, uh, breaking Paint Manning's record. Um, we'll, dis- we'll discuss that a little bit later down the line and his legacy. And is there any argument for him making a case for the GOAT as, you know, even though I've always said Tom Brady is the GOAT, but you can make a case for it, and I'll elaborate on that later. But right now, um, the Buffalo Bills... Uh, they don't get as much respect as they should. Um, you know, for they've, they've been overlooked. It's been quiet for them. It's always been, you know, New England or New Orleans or Green Bay, basically. That's the center. That's been the highlight. I'm not just saying this because they, they just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, my Steelers, uh, last Sunday night. 
but you know it, they're how can I say this they're essentially they're like Pittsburgh this year but with just a better quarterback uh, I know Devlin Hodges is doing this thing a third string quarterback me as a Pitt fan and I think a lot of Steeler Nation will know this and acknowledge it we didn't have a whole lot of you know once Ben Roethlisberger was hurt and out for the rest of the season we didn't expect much we thought you know personally I thought we can grab a six seed at best and right now they're still hanging on to that six seed so if it's going to be biased for me saying saying this perhaps but if they do make that six seed spot if they somehow manage to finish season 10 and 6 or maybe somehow get in just barely at 9 and 7 even if they're one and done and which I think they will be you got to give credit where credit is due for Mike Tomlin and how he was able to work what pit you know what so much trials and tribulations they went through but I'll talk about that later <laughs> with Buffalo though not a lot of people like I said they're essentially kind of like Pittsburgh they're just with a little bit you know better at quarterback with Josh Allen not but not by much I mean he's throwing 59 percent uh completion percentage approaching 3,000 yards 18 touchdowns nine picks not you know like I said it's it's not very like you know numbers that make you say wow you know I mean it's not like a Patrick Mahomes uh so with that being said uh he's doing enough to get the job done and he's doing so in a fashion where they're they're winning you know I wouldn't say outright but some of these teams uh it's not rinky dink Tennessee they're a solid team they want that's a big W they had early in the season um going to Dallas uh Thanksgiving and winning in Jerry World, in which Josh Allen played a great game. 19-24, 79% completion percentage, a touchdown. So he's not going to put up a whole lot of numbers, but he's going to be able to put up enough where he can get the job done. So with that being said, is this someone that they can rely on come the future? Who knows? But... He's definitely had a big turnaround compared to his rookie campaign where he had touched 10 touchdowns, 12 picks, and now he's 18-9 for this season. So with Buffalo Bills, I mean, man, like I said, I feel like they uh, they deserve a lot more respect than they uh, deserve. And John Brown, uh, their wideout, he very underrated. Very, um, again, uh, just the whole team in general. Just they don't get a lot of acknowledgement like they should. John Brown has over a thousand yards receiving. People don't, you know, that's that's a quiet thousand yards receiving. Five touchdowns, seventy-one receptions. So, you know, what I mean, so for them, it's just kind of it's been a quiet season for them. And <clears throat> excuse me. And even then, for what they've been able to do and get um, the widely old veterans such as Frank Gore, uh, we all know he's way past his prime at this point. He's 36 years old. Um, Even then, he's still, he'll be able, he's big when it comes to short yardage situations and those scenarios. He shares shares the carries here and there uh, with Devin Singletary. 
But uh, Frank Gore recently passing Barry Sanders an all-time rushing leaders list. He's at fourth, I believe, now on that list. But uh, closing on 600 yards, averaging three and a half yards a carry. So, but uh, incredible career by Frank Gore. Over 15,000 yards rushing. <clears throat> but the Buffalo Bills, uh, they, they stand at a solid 10-4. and four. And as I said, I think they can pull the upset against New England. Right now, they are down 7-3 currently. So we'll see how that plays out. But I still still have confidence in them. Um, Excuse me. But yeah, you know what Sean McDermott has been able to do there um, is been under the radar. Um, And people, people forget, like, I mean, back in 2017... Uh, two years prior, the the Bills they did make the wild card. They did make the playoffs at night. I mean, it was at nine and seven, but still, uh, for Sean McDermott's era, he's he's done a phenomenal job so far. Uh, this is probably the best the Bills have looked, honestly, since probably the nineties. Um, I believe uh, the coaches that he served under, such as Andy Reid and Ron Rivera. Who both, you know, they've done. Uh, they had a incredible careers as head co- head coaches. Fortunately, Ron Rivera recently got fired a couple of weeks ago, so it's going to be interesting where he goes. Uh, so I think a lot of rumors are swirling. I I don't think Ron Rivera is going to have an issue getting picked up. Where where it might be, I don't know. But he's a solid head coach, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't get picked up somewhere down the line in the offseason. Andy Reid, again, another one who's a phenomenal coach, doing a great job in Kansas City. And uh, if things things stay steady for them, they're looking at a one seed um, come playoff time. Well, we'll see how that turns out, uh, depending on this game between Buffalo and New England. Still a lot of games left, or I wouldn't say a lot of games left. There's only two left in the season. But the scenario, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But right now, <clears throat> that, uh, ooh, excuse me. that one seed is still somewhat open. Uh, but Kansas City, uh, they still have a shot at it, but I don't think they're going to get it. The Ravens have it. The Ravens are going to get that one seed. It's going to come down to the two seed between New England and Kansas City. Kansas City sits at 10-4. and four. New England, if they drop this, that gives them a huge, huge significant turnaround for Kansas City if they can capitalize on that and finish the season strong at 12-4. and four. Um. Again, uh, Baltimore, I think, uh, like I said, Kansas City still has a shot, but I don't think it's – Baltimore's hot. Baltimore's insane. I, I know I've made cases for Russell Wilson being the MVP, but at this point, I believe Lamar Jackson is – he's got to be the significant favorite going into that award ceremony. There's – even though Russell Wilson has been – without Russell Wilson, Seattle crumbles. They're they're sitting great at 11-3. and three. Uh, the NFC in general is tight. The Packers are 11 and three, and uh, the Saints at 11 and three. So, 
the Saints actually they uh, clinched their division as of last weekend. The Niners eleven and three. The and it's crazy because the the Vikings sitting at ten and four and they're sitting at a six seed. That and that's what's wild to me. The the NFC this year is very tight. Uh, the Rams still have a shot. They're sitting at eight and six. I don't think they're gonna get it though. To be honest, I think they finish. I think they fall short at nine and seven or eight and excuse me at eight and eight. Uh, Philly seven and seven. I don't think they're gonna get it. Um, Minnesota, they'll get a playoff spot. Honestly, I think Minnesota still they they still have a shot at the at the division. But in order for that to happen. Uh, the Packers have to lose two straight. Uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't the same. Uh, the injuries from his broken collarbone, uh, they're starting to mount up on him. His age is starting to show, unlike Tom Brady, uh, around his age in the mid-30s. But Tom Brady is now 42. He's starting to show age. So Father Tom is undefeated. We all know this. But um, right now, Baltimore, I think they clinched that wild seat, that first that first round by at the one seed, S- Seattle. I think I think they can stay strong. They'll finish strong. Pete Carroll and the rest of that squad. They know what they're doing. I want to see though. I, I want to see a six and one seed. I want to see San Fran versus uh, Seattle, but I don't think it, it won't happen. It'll be Green Bay and uh, the 49ers, I believe. Uh, come playoff time. But I want to see a, a Richard Sherman on the opposing side against Seattle, uh, his former team. I think that will bring in some viewers. I'd be intrigued by that uh, just to see. Because, you know, you know, when you play with your former team for so long, what, eight, nine seasons, and you go somewhere else and try to get another ship, I mean, that'd be, that, that's a hard thing, but it's, it's, not, it's not impossible. Uh, Paint Manning did it with Denver and Indianapolis. So it's, and that's always been the question. And a lot of people like to throw that in debates for the GOAT debate. Can you go from one team and then to another and win, uh, win another championship? So that's just from the footballs, the NBAs, to the MLBs. I'll elaborate on that later. But either way, um, football Saturday, I love it. Uh, the next, the New Mexico Bowl is going on right now, in which the Central Michigan Chippewas are just getting molly whopped. Last I checked, it was forty-one to eleven against uh, the nine-three San Diego State. Uh, so it's just oof. I didn't think Central was gonna go into that like that. Uh, they had a good season though, eight and four. Eventually gonna be eight and five. Had a MAC conference championship in the grasp. Just couldn't get it quite done. But, um, yeah, man, you know, I just, I love this season. I love the bowl season. Uh, like I said, it's kind of centric to have NFL on a Saturday, especially during bowl bowl season. But, hey, you know, I'll take it. I ain't complaining. Love football, my all-time favorite sport. Played it from fifth grade to senior year of high school. And, man, it's just football all day, every day, uh, besides Christmas. But I love it. So, but with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break and y'all are listening to Andrew Reserve Podcast.
Welcome back to Injury Reserve Podcast with the host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. So as I previously stated in my first segment, I was going to elaborate a little bit more on my Pittsburgh Steelers and how, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, right now they sit at 8-6 and six and they still hold on to the 6th seed. And how I was saying, if Pitt is able to squeeze into that 6th seed in the AFC, that Mike Tomlin has to be coach of the year. Now, again, you have to be, to be fair, you, you know, you, you got to highlight some of the other coaches out there, like Sean McDermott for the Buffalo Bills. He's done a fantastic job uh, getting a 10-win season so far uh, for how how far they've come and what he has had to work with as well. I mean, a 36-year-old Frank Gore, uh, second-year quarterback in Josh Allen, and really the only uh, key player to their offense is John Brown. Uh, but when you look, I, I try to look at things overall for every team, for every scenario, scenario, and for how far they've come and how well-managed and coached they've been. Now you got, say, along the likes of like typical New England Patriots, right, with Bill Belichick. That's always a given. Health, if I'm sure the award would be damn near Bill Belichick every single season. I mean, they, they haven't missed the playoffs, and God knows, who knows what, since 2000? I mean, him and Brady, we all know that combo. It's deadly. And um, as to why they got six ships. So that's just a given. Uh, there's also, respectively, you know, Andy Reid in Kansas City. He's done a great job since he left Philly and went to Kansas City. He's turned them around. So, but for what Mike Tomlin has been able to do in Pittsburgh and what's, you know, transpired over the course of like basically three seasons of, you know, they they had the high-powered offense from Big Ben to Tony Brown to Le'Veon Bell. And then things just kind of come crashing down. Uh, And ironically enough, it was always the defense that was always killing us during their era in Pittsburgh. Our defense was starting to get old. James Harrison was on his way out. Troy Palmalu retired back in 13-14. He was a pivotal part. Uh, Ryan Clark retiring. Uh, He was another key asset to that defense. So these things happened. The defense of Pittsburgh wasn't the defense that we knew back in 2010 when they faced off against Green Bay or when they defeated the Arizona Cardinals back in 08 in the Super Bowl. So uh, they they were, you know, phenomenal. James Ferrier, Lamar Woodley, James Harrison. Uh, they were stacked. Uh, Brett Kiesel. But as time went on, you know, they started to get a little bit older, a little bit slower. Uh, But they, you know, they were wiser. They had the knowledge. But the things, you know, injuries start to mount up, it happens. Uh, We were to, you know, get some solid draft picks in A.B. and Le'Veon Bell. A.B. out of Central Michigan, Le'Veon out of Michigan State. (laughs) Ben was always doing his thing since his rookie year back in 04. But as time progresses, you know, injuries, uh, they start to mount up after a while. And they caught up with Big Ben this year, and that was a huge, 
huge loss for their offense. And, you know, you look at it and all they have is uh, Hodges, Duck Hodges, uh, as in the third string, and Mason Rudolph, the second string. Uh, Duck Hodges uh, coming out with Samford, a D- Division two, I believe, school. And Mason Rudolph, second-round pick out of Oklahoma State about two years ago. So Tomlin, you know, a lot of inexperience for the starting quarterback. And my my opinion, that's the it's the toughest position to play um, in the NFL. You have to know where everyone is going. You have to have you you're you're the go-to guy. You're the captain. You're the guy that's gonna lead that ship. So losing Ben uh, fresh out the gate, first game of the season. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people marked off Pittsburgh. It's like, well, there's, you know, maybe next season. I still had some hope. I'm like, at best, I think we could still grab a six seed. And um, what Mike Tomlin's been able to do and what what was huge for them, though, is got to give a lot of credit, is trading their first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, the safety in Miami early in the season. That was huge for what Minka Fitzpatrick has been able to do. He's been a turnover machine, uh, just picking interceptions left and right. I believe he has around five or six. Um, and the draft has been phenomenal for our defense. It's, it's showed from you know Bud Dupree out of Kentucky, Devin Bush out of Michigan this past season, uh, and then T.J. Watt out of uh, Wisconsin. I, I mean, those guys, our draft class so far when it comes to defense has been phenomenal. And then trading for Minka, that just added more artillery to our defense. So uh, our defense deserves a lot of credit this season. Pittsburgh would not be 8-6 and six without <laughs> without our defense. So the problem is, is that, like I said, the quarterback – situation is very tough and right now they sit at eight and six so with that being said uh two games left uh they got the jets this upcoming week and then the week after that it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because you know you, you got baltimore um and Pitt they had a solid chance against baltimore a couple weeks ago they put up a good fight and it was a close game uh, they just couldn't close it out. Uh, Lamar Jackson, phenomenal quarterback, and as I said in the first segment, he's got to be the MVP. Uh, a runaway. The question is, w- will it just be unanimous for the first time ever? Uh, but they got the Jets, in which I, you know, I'm fairly confident it's the Jets. They've uh, they they just been, you know, uh, they've they've had their own troubles and their struggles and. Uh, they hired Adam Gase, and you know <laughs> they picked up Le'Veon Bell, you know, and they gave him a big old contract, and he hasn't done anything. And then, uh, what a week ago, he gets in trouble saying he's quote unquote sick, and then next thing you know, they spot him at a bowling alley drinking. So, and he in which he missed a game. So, they they have their issues there. Uh, but Pitt has to go to New York. Um, We'll see how that transpires. I feel, like I said, I feel fairly more confident in this one. 
the question is, it's just how the standings are going to going to be when it's all said and done. It's going to come down to, you know, the final game of the season. Uh, Pitt's 8-6. and six. The Titans are hanging on as well. They're 8-6. and six. Um, So, uh, certainly enough, if, if Pitt was in the NFC, they, they wouldn't even come close. No doubt about that. The, the AFC is a lot tighter this year compared to the AFC. And um, it's going to be... Oof. Like I said, the Jets, you know, they, they have their issues. It's going to be more, it's going to, hopefully it doesn't come down to the final game of the season between them and Baltimore because my confidence facing them, it's just, oof. It, in years past, it's ironic, I've always felt fairly confident. But even then, it still made me nervous considering the fact that um, it's, uh, it's a rivalry game. You know, both teams are, are going to play it, play it just a little bit extra harder. It's it's just different. Pittsburgh and Baltimore, those games just hit different. Uh, both teams, you know, they play a lot harder. Whether it's you know one team is one and eleven or eleven and one, they're both gonna play hard. So the scenario, it's it's gonna come down to the final game of the season, I believe, for Tennessee and Pittsburgh. <laughs> but. Right now, Pitt, they still have the sixth seed holding on. They're eight and six. But Tennessee's right up their alley. And crazy enough, Cleveland Browns still have a shot. They sit at six and eight, <laughs> which is, you know, which is odd, but they still have a shot. Same thing with Oakland Raiders. But a lot of scenarios have to play out for those two. Uh the Titans, as far as I know, I'm not too sure. Pitt may have the tiebreaker. Um I'm not too sure on that. I'm not sure. I can't remember if they uh, played against them prior to this year. <sighs> but let's see. Oh, excuse me. Mm. But right now, the scenario is playing out like this. Uh, whoops. Excuse me. And my laptop randomly playing things. Uh, so the scenario is like this, right? Um, Buffalo, they got a playoff berth. Baltimore, they got the division. Kansas City got the division. Houston, they have the division. New England uh, have a playoff berth. But if they win against Buffalo, then, you know, uh, they'll have that division. Uh, Baltimore clinches the first round by uh, with a win. And uh, Kansas City has to lose and New England has to lose. Uh, for them to cl- clinch home field advantage, they have to win and then New England loss or Kansas City loss or New England and Kansas City both lose. Either way, Baltimore has to run away at this. <clears throat> uh, but... <sighs> But like I said, the the final game of the season for both teams, it's it's gonna be iffy, and Baltimore's gonna be that true test challenge near the end of the season. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to see the odds here, what exactly they stack up. Uh.
So right now, if the Steelers, if they are to win the last two, say they, you know, they beat the Jets and somehow manage to beat the Ravens, um, then they have the they have the tiebreaker initially. Uh, they'll finish eight and four in the conference record, and the best the Titans can do is seven and five. So, uh, let's see here. There are other pivotal factors that play out to this. Uh, the Steelers and Titans would then be tied if they go nine and if they both go nine and seven. In this scenario, that the Steelers would have a seven five conference record and the Titans would have a six and six record. Therefore, uh. Titans have to win out, and Pitt has to win the one out of the last two. <sighs> but here's a centric scenario. If the Steelers go 1-1 one and one and the Steelers go 1-1, one and one, but from one of those losses, the Titans uh, lose to the Saints but beat the Texans, then both the Steelers and Titans would be 7-5 and five in AFC play. So, how does this tiebreaker come down to? Well, this is how it plays out in court, according to NFL standards. Um, it would then come down to strength of victory, they call it. Where the Titans have the edge, helped by being their chief, by help, they're beating the Chiefs and Saints, while the two of the Steelers win come over the Bengals. That's how they rule it out. It's very odd. But that's how the NFL plays it out to be. So, yeah, it's kind of eccentric. It's kind of weird. But that's how they play out the tiebreakers initially. So, basically what we're looking at is Pitt can go one-on-one. Tennessee can go one-on-one. But it can't. they can't win against New Orleans. Because, therefore, if they win against New Orleans, then they have the tiebreaker over um, Pittsburgh. So... Um, or if they or if they win out, of course, too. If Pitt goes one and one, and Tennessee goes two and zero, so that's what it's looking for my Steelers right now. Again, I you know one and one seems more realistic, and it's just going to come down, like I said, to that last game for Tennessee. See how and if they can clinch that final spot. But right now, uh, as for the playoff run, I don't have a lot of hope in them. Like I said, quarterback scenario. And then having a face in Kansas City or not uh Kansas City or whoever in the AFC. Uh it'll be a challenge and our defense can only do so much. But either way, Mike Tomlin, I mean, without Ben Roethlisberger and majority of the year James Conner's been hurt. Juju Smith Schuster, um, James Washington missed a few games, and Deontay Wash uh Excuse me. Uh, Deontay Washington missing a few games. I mean, Pitt's lost about five, six, seven guys off their offense. And our defense is, is, has been the heavy, heavy as the head, basically. So it would come down to that. <clears throat> but if Pitt does make these playoffs, even if they are one and done, Mike Tomlin, he, he's got to give where credit is, credit is due. He has to be coach of the year. Um, he He's faced more challenges than 
then, you know, in, I'm not disregarding all the other coaches. You know, Sean Payton, he's done well. Him and Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees missed a few games, and they were winning games without Drew Brees. But that was just for four or five games. So, and Belichick does dirt. He, I'm not saying he should win it, but he does deserve a nominee. Considering the fact that, you know, Brady's showing his age now. And that defense has been phenomenal for New England. Top 10 and everything. Uh, Brady hasn't been playing like the Brady that we knew. And that's okay. It's not a knock on him or his legacy. It's just, had had New England's defense just, you know, be what their defense has been in the past recently, you know, not be in the top 10, I don't, you know... I don't think they win the division, honestly. They they might be sitting at a 4-5 seed in the AFC. <laughs> so with that being said, um, Mike Tomlin, if they went out or if they just manage, you know, a 10-6 or 9-7 and make that 6 seed in the final playoff spot, you got to give him coach of the year. There's no question. And I've always liked Mike Tomlin. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, don't give him a lot of credit because just because of the past three seasons with the Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown drama. But now, <laughs> over the course of a few months, ever since, well, the beginning of the fall, beginning of football season, people are starting to finally open their eyes. They're starting to see how Antonio Brown is. They're starting to see, you know, him <laughs> as a person from his IGs to his Twitters. The man is just, you know, he's he's toxic and lacks accountability. And he he has, quote-unquote, friends that are telling him what he wants to hear and not what he needs to hear. And it's sad, you know. He seems like a good dude. He's a phenomenal athlete. Hall of Fame potential, no doubt. Future Hall of Famer. Over 11,000 yards receiving. I think 70, 80 receiving touchdowns to his resume. I mean, the dude... It's just, why? I've never seen someone shoot themselves in the foot in their own career. Like, it's just, it's rough to see. And then Le'Veon Bell, again, another phenomenal athlete. Very versatile. Um, running, catching. Uh, was very great. Great prospect coming out of Michigan State. And... Money issue can't, you know, was his demands, and he decided to sit out a season, and you see what happened to him. <laughs> like I said, he he lied about being sick, and he goes to a bowling alley, misses a game, and <laughs> just because he wanted to go bowling, I guess. So, and ever since Le'Veon Bell, you know, the Jets pay him all this, all this money, and you haven't heard a word of him this year, averaging three yards a carry. Uh, 600 yards, only three touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, man, a, a 27 years old, still in your prime, and it just, I don't know. You wasted a whole entire season of your prime. It's just, you know, I'm willing to bet somewhere down the line he's going to look back and he's going to regret it. So uh, hopefully he can turn things around. I, I don't know what's going on with him. So, what Mike, what people are starting to see, what Mike Tomlin's had to deal with, I mean, and Pitt, they 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 looked, 
you know, they just look more motivated and they look great in the locker room. All the players, Marquise Pouncey, all those guys in the locker room, they're thriving. Even though they are 8-6 and six and they are struggling, they, you know, they look like a, a one unit out there. Uh, you know, one team, one fight. They, they are a well-organized team. And all those players look like that, you know, they'd be willing to run through a wall for Mike Tomlin as well as they should be. Tomlin's a great coach and he's always been questioned, is he is he a good coach or is he great? You know, how is he? Cause, you know, he never really got the credit. Cause when he won the first Super Bowl, that team was built by Bill Cower before he left. You know, they Ben was there. Um, Mike Wallace, uh, San Antonio Holmes, James Harrison, James Ferrier, uh, Lamar Woodley, Brett Kiesel, all those guys were already there, uh, but with Bill Cowher built, so, and he won that championship with Arizona, and then they went to another Super Bowl, and they, they ended up losing to Green Bay, and, um, they kind of, I wouldn't say Pitt never really struggled, but they just they never got as far as they did as the conference championship facing New England. And they always questioned him because of how good of that talent was. And yes, you know, Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon Bell, all those guys were great. And it's like, how do you not get to the Super Bowl with that type of talent? But when you when there's frustration and some questionable leadership amongst teammates, it's going to be an issue, as we saw. And eventually, you know, it dwindled, dwindled and spiraled out of control. They came out of Mike Tomlin's hands, and eventually you saw the rest of the story from A.B. to Levon. So they're sitting at 8-6. and six. Hopefully they went out. It depends because if Baltimore, depending how they do, they can clinch that first round by. Maybe do they sit out Lamar Jackson? You know, do they play it safe? You know, it, it depends on John Harbaugh. Do you want? I mean, you think most teams do? They sit out their star players of a first round, first round by and home field advantage is clinched. Then uh, they'll sit out their players the the final week, which is smart. Makes sense. <laughs> Keep them healthy. Give them, not not just only first round by, but technically speaking, give them two weeks uh, rest. So, <clears throat> but either way, hopefully my Steelers, I have faith in them. And uh, hopefully Mike Tomlin will win coach of the year. Definitely give credit where credit is due. <clears throat> but with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break. And y'all are listening to End Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve. So, think about sports, it's always been eccentric to me. It's almost like kind of politics, right? You see someone coming up, running for election. No, it can be anything, Senate, presidential, whatever. 
And they, they'd be affiliated with the Democratic or Repu- Republican Party, and so on and so forth, right? <clears throat> as soon as they start making waves about certain agendas or what they've been doing, uh, you know, there's going to be the pros and cons, there's going to be a backlash, there's going to be praise, you know, typical political mumbo-jumbo stuff, Right? So what I always found, you know, especially this year, what what caught my eye is the quote-unquote load management. That's what's been going on lately when it comes to the NBA. That's been, you know, (laughs) what's always fascinated me about hardcore LeBron James fans. I'm a fan of LeBron but there's two separate categories, right? There's your LeBron James fans, and then there's your hard, die-hard, hardcore LeBron James fans. They they think these type of people think he's the goat. He's done it all. He's done it by himself. That's it, right? He's never had any help. Never, you know. <laughs> Dwayne Wade, Antoine Jameson, Chris Bosh. Uh, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, Shaquille O'Neal, all these guys been irrelevant, right? So, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, LeBron James playing these games, right, and sometimes putting subliminal messages out there to the media, uh, when it comes to load management saying, you know, I'm getting up there in age, I would never miss a game, when it's, ironically enough, four or five seasons ago, maybe even three seasons ago, he would sit out a few games. Even last season, even when he was not hurt, uh, he would sit out a few games and rest, right? And it's not just him. A lot of teams have done this. Spurs have been known for that with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. So when when these people are praising LeBron for you know playing every single game, but they heavily criticize Kawhi Leonard... It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know, there's going to be some bias and favoritism when it comes to politics like it is when it comes to players in any sport. So I never got that. And the thing is, I think a lot of people are failing to realize this. Even when it comes to Tom Brady, like essentially in the NFL, we're starting to see it in the NBA. A lot of people who are dedicated to the Tom Brady's and LeBron James or whoever, they're not willing to face the facts that, you know, it's going to come to a close on the career. And I'm not disregarding what he's been doing. He's been balling out, right? Um, (coughs) He's averaging around 25, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Falling out, right? So, <laughs> what I don't understand is when players like a Kawhi Leonard, who, you know, he's 26, five assists, eight boards, and then you got Giannis, who I believe is going to be MVP again, 32, 13 boards, and five assists. You know, it's the passing of the torch. I, Giannis right now is the best player in basketball for the past two seasons, and it's going to be that way for a while. 
Um, LeBron, these fans, man, it's it's like it's like when you know with Kobe Bryant, right? It happened with Kobe Bryant. Once injuries started to mount up, you know he wasn't that guy anymore. He wasn't the face of the NBA. It was LeBron James. We we all knew that. It happens. Faces change, right? You know, for before LeBron James, it was it was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was the face of the NBA. You know, from about two thousand, from from about two thousand five all the way up until around two thousand thirteen. Uh, up until when he uh, he tore his Achilles, I believe, and then his ACL. Then it became the face of the NBA. Started uh, around 2013, or after or after 2013, once Kobe got hurt. So essentially around <laughs> essentially around 2014 or whatever, LeBron became the face back in 2014, and the rest is history. So. And I just don't, man, people, I, I, it's just, it's, it's so astonishing how people just fail to recognize the players who they haven't played with. It's never made sense to me, right? Of course, you know, Kobe had Shaq. LeBron had Antoine Jameson, and people continue to disrespect Antoine Jameson. People act like he was a scrub. The man damn near averaged a double-double on his career. He was, uh, he was like 18, 8, and 4, I think. Somewhere around there. I'll even do the research real quick. <clears throat> Antoine Jameson was just one of those players who never got the respect that they deserved. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's a two-time All-Star, six-man of the year. He averaged 19-8 and two for his career, and people act like the you know oh he was terrible. And it's just like the the man put up he 18-7 and two while he's with Cleveland. Uh, he was the go-to guy they traded for him. That was LeBron's guy, just like Kobe and Shaq or Kobe and Gasol. You know, Michael I. Pippen. Um, it's just it, what LeBron, the diehard, hardcore LeBron James community fails to understand is that he's had he had the help in his first stint in Cleveland, and they'll never acknowledge that he just couldn't get the job done, and that's fine. So, when it comes to this whole load management kind of scenario. He's Kawhi is essentially doing the same thing LeBron did back when, during his Miami days. He would rest and then come playoff time, he'd be fresh and ready to go. It's gonna come down. The NBA Finals gonna come down to Milwaukee and the Los Angeles Clippers, because AD is not gonna be able to play all season long. He's never played a full season yet in his career. Uh, so, and another thing, Laker fans fail to realize is that that's all they have. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's it. Nobody else. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's decent here and there. But this is a shooter's league. Uh, Milwaukee's solid. Giannis, I mean, Chris Middleton, all those guys, they got a solid squad. And what I was watching between them and the Lakers, 
they they operate as you know one unit when i see la i just see lebron and ad that's it and which is fun and it it's exciting but you know they don't operate like san antonio or milwaukee hell even the houston rockets between russell westbrook and james harden are operating better than the lakers there's more high power basically a little bit i wouldn't say so much efficient but uh, they're high energy high powered russell westbrook he's only 30 31 give or take yeah his knees are starting to go on him but still he's still dangerous same with james harden lakers got worried about houston but like i said with the lakers they need one more man they, they don't really have an efficient score they just have lebron and AD, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Laker Nation, I get it. Like, it's it's okay to be excited, and you haven't seen the Lakers been this good in a while, but you need one more man out there. And relying on two guys, especially with LeBron James, it's it's not going to get it done. He hasn't been able to get it done with just him, himself and someone else. He always needed a third. He always needed a Dwayne Wade or a Chris Bosh. Or sometimes even a Ray Allen. Or he always needed a Kevin Love or a Kyrie Irving. So they need a third. They need a more efficient shooter. They're, I believe they're trying to operate that with Kyle Kuzma. We'll see how that develops. But I don't see Kuzma as being that guy. And like I said. Right now the, the prediction for the NBA Finals. I got the Milwaukee Bucks and Los Angeles Clippers. Everyone's getting on Kawhi's case. Everyone needs to chill. <laughs> The man is doing the same thing that Le- LeBron did. He's taking time off, so load management, whatever you want to say. Giannis wins MVP for a co- consecutive season. And, um, yeah, so, man, Giannis is the face of the NBA right now. And, that, again, like I said, that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's just... <clears throat> it's just, you know, it's passing the torch. After 2013, Kobe got hurt. That was his last good season where he averaged, you know, 27 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. And then LeBron went to Miami. And that's where <coughs> he had his little stint, but he wasn't he, he wasn't the face of the NBA yet. He was one of the top he was the, one of the top 5 players, sure, no doubt. But was he the face of the Miami Heat? No, we all knew it was Dwayne Wade. But in his final stint in Miami, that's where LeBron James started, started to be the face in the NBA. And it didn't start out good because when you're in one of the top five teams of all time in NBA history, the Miami Heat, and you only go two and two in the NBA Finals, ugh. it's, you know, it's like cool, but all time, you know, when it comes to that GOAT status, not really. So, you know, imagine the narrative if Michael Jordan teamed up with uh, Magic Johnson and James Worthy, right? And they only go two and two in the NBA Finals. Would would people still come the GOAT then? No. So, LeBron became the face of the NBA once he returned back to Cleveland. And they finally got that first ship out the way. So... But either way, uh, 
me as a LeBron James fan, I'm a realist. It ain't. He's not the face no more. And that's okay. That's fine. Um, but people just need to realize, you know, four-time four MVP, that's great. 15-time All-Star, awesome. Three-time Finals MVP, that's great as well. Hey, he's um, he's not the face no more. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. He's still top three. He's still the top three best players in the NBA. It's just he's you know he's not number one. It's Giannis. And what Giannis has been able to do, I mean, he's gonna win second MVP. The man's gonna be there for a while. Hell, if if Durant was if he was healthy and playing, it would be Giannis, Durant, LeBron. So, and then Kyrie probably be at four or five, give or take. And then Kawhi's definitely up there as well. So, but either way, um, times change. That's all right. I, you know, our favorite players or wherever, they dwindle down, father time catches up, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, <clears throat> but uh, Kawhi, he's. Uh, It'll be very impressive. I mean, if he's able to manage winning two titles in San Antonio, um, and then possibly, you know, win it, winning a title in Toronto, and then if he's able to win a title, another title with the Los Angeles Clippers, then, hey, then you can make a case, or excuse me, he's a two-time NBA champion, excuse me. Then you can make a case that, hey, this dude, um, you can make a case. I, I wouldn't say it'd be too early to judge, but making a GOAT status, yeah, surely. If he, if he wins another title with a third different team and he's only 28, that'd be impressive. That'd be very impressive. So, either way, um, like I said, I the Lakers. I don't see them doing it. Uh, it's fun. Is it's exciting? That's cool. That's great. But um, relying on LeBron James and AD, who hasn't played a full season yet in his entire career, it's not going to work out in the end. They, you know, it was a solid effort picking him up in the off season, but it's just not going to work out. So, but uh, Giannis, I think I, I'm not. I'm going to chop up his name. He's the face. He's the guy. He's going to be there for a while. Uh, he's going to win MVP again, and it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks against the Los Angeles Clippers. No doubt about that. But with that being said, that's all the time I have today. I appreciate y'all listening in every t- uh, every time you get a chance. Uh, it's Saturday night, so uh, I hope y'all have a great weekend uh, and a uh, Merry Christmas as well. <laughs>